If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you're listening to this one and not viewing it on YouTube because there's going to be some distractive dabbing going on. I've cut myself shaving, so uh, that's what that is. But we we roll with the punches and we keep it moving. Uh, and we're back, season two. This is episode two. And I just figured out it's been three months, Jesse, since we called time on season one. And that time is just, it's flown by so quick. It doesn't feel like that long. But I guess in the same breath, so much has happened in the last few months, uh, all of which has been, at least for us, amazing. Lots of exciting, busy adventures. Uh, you've been tripping around. You've had family down. You've had, you know, birthday parties. Lots of cool stuff. I've had tours, cruises. Um, but it feels nice. You know what? Just after getting after the first episode that we just did, I don't know whether you felt the same, but I was kind of umming and ahhing in my head as to whether we'd find our rhythm immediately again. Because sometimes when you take time out of something you do regularly, it can often feel like i don't know like the gears are a little bit cranky but i felt the opposite i felt like when we got settled into that first chat um it was just immediate and it felt so good to be doing it again yeah it's like uh when you're in a band and you go on tour and you took a long break and you're like uh, i don't know if this is gonna be good and that first show may not be the best um but you get right back on it but in this case that first episode was incredible so you know it's a chemistry we have and i i I trust in your people skills, Matt. You're you're quite good at what you do, so I didn't think uh, it would be too bad. Well, very kind of you to say, sir. Very kind of you to say. Um, it's quite kind of cool that we've got this guy on as well because I try not to do this too often because I know it can be cheeky, but I asked you a couple of years back if you wouldn't mind putting me in touch with Dennis to have him on my show, which you very kindly did, and he very kindly obliged. And so he was a guest on my show. He was also a guest in my most recent book, which I just put out alongside yourself. Uh, and I'm thrilled, and I'm sure you are too, to now have him on Stoke the Fire. Um, so much we can discuss, so many areas we can explore with this one. I guess the task is going to be fitting it all in, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a fan of his music since I was young, but um, become a fan of just who he is or who he's presented to be, you know, and the way he handles himself in the public eye and his his knowledge and passion for, for life and for people and humanity, if you will, that's kind of what draws me to him with his lyrics and his art and his music. So yeah, it's, and he's, you know, part of the community that I came from hardcore music and uh, very respected in, in, in my circles growing up. So it just, to me is full circle to be able to have a conversation with him about life and about, you know, who he's become all these years. Cause I feel a connection to that because of our culture, our shared culture and hardcore music. But yeah, there's a lot to be said, a lot to unpack, and I think we should just jump right into it. All Dennis. right, let's do it. Without further ado, Dennis Lixon from Refused, Invasion, Fake Names, International Noise Conspiracy, a million other bands. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show, dude. What a pleasure, what an honor to have you on. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm very, very pleased to be here. <laughs> Where are we talking to you from? Are you, are you in Sweden? Are you at home? You've got a very nice gaff. Yeah, it's my, uh, it's my, uh, uh, yeah, in my house. This is my music room that I have in my house. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So now you do want to be watching this on YouTube. The blood on my chin has dried up, ladies and gentlemen. Come, <laughs> well, come join us on the visual. My, your microphone's in the way, so it's. Oh, perfect. there you go. Yeah, dude, yeah. use that, use that prop to your advantage, yeah. man. 
That is no accident, gentlemen, that that is what's happening right now. I figured the exact spot to sit and talk and, and not have it be an issue. So I reckon Sweden is a good place to start because you are our first Swedish guest, Dennis, yeah. and we do like to at the start of these conversations because I feel like to understand the personal journey of anyone, you need to understand, I think at least, the geographical surroundings with which they start out in life and begin to form you know ideas about the world and relationships with people and i've spent time in sweden i know jesse has i know it's a beautiful country i know it's an incredibly progressive country in many ways as well um, and i feel like you're the guy to educate and enlighten us as to what it is <laughs> like to not just grow up there but you know you haven't fled you're still around so it's obviously yeah. still home how much of sweden runs through your blood and has defined the man, the artist, the human being that you are? I think way more than, than I would like to admit. I mean, I grew up in a small town, 8,000 people in the inland in the north of Sweden. And I just moved back there a year and a half ago, which is kind of insane. Uh, but so growing up in like isolation, because that's what it was, like a lot of people like, you know, some people hit me up like, I'm in Stockholm, do you want to hang out? I'm like, I live eight hours from Stockholm, straight up north. So it's not, you know, and then growing up with that isolation and, and a little small town being like the only punk, the only guy into hardcore, that definitely, uh, you know, really set me on the path that I am today because that outsider mentality and that alienation is very, very real. Um, and then there's aspects of growing up here, like we have something called uh, adult education programs, which is basically, I went into one of these adult education programs when I was maybe 15 and I walked in and I said, I want to start a band. And they said, here's a PA system. Here's a practice space, go and do your thing. So, you know, from, from an early age, we had a place to practice. And, and I mean, this, this, still, this is still happening. I, st I still, you know, I, I still count hours on these adult education programs and you get paid to practice basically. Um, it's a pretty awesome thing. And then we have like the youth center culture that I grew up with, where every youth center had like a, a stage or a practice space and people could just play music and it was free and available for everyone. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, I'm insanely much a product of, of uh, being a Swedish person. <laughs> and it sounds all positive too, from what you've said there. Is that the case? Well, I mean, I would say that the, the alienation and isolation was not always positive because it would, you felt really like an outsider. Um, and you felt quite lonely at, at, a lot of times because there was no community around me when I, when I first started getting into this. And then uh, as that progressed, I mean, we made it, we, we always said like, you just make your own fun, you know, like if there's, there's no bands from the States coming to our town. Let's just book our shows ourselves and start bands ourselves and start record labels ourselves and kind of go into that DIY mentality. So that's pretty awesome. I mean, it is, it is a bit far from everything. So to this day, still, when I, when I need to go on tour, it's kind of a trek to just, you know, just get down to Stockholm. It's like, if, if we're driving, it's like seven hours. I mean, it's only an hour by the plane, but it's still a little bit of a little bit of a trip. I got a question for you. Um, being yeah. isolated, what I'm curious is, you're, for me at least, you have a righteous anger in you. You had when you were young, it, it came out in your music, it came out in the way you talked at shows, um, the way you presented yourself. The difference between being isolated and being in a city where you have access to all these things, especially pre-internet, yeah. you know, when you were younger, you seemed really tuned in to a lot of what was going on, um, not just in your country, but the world. You you carried this message with you as a young hardcore kid. Yeah. Where, where does that come from? Was it just the bands or was there other influences that you were drawing from? Because, you know, you have different types of hardcore, yeah. you know, you have like the tough guy <clears throat> stuff. You have the, you know, eventually the evil stuff you refused came out and were just totally unique. And I think that's yeah. probably because of your isolation, but where does that wisdom come, that righteous anger or the knowledge, I should say, at your age? Where were you drawing from? Where was your frustration? Where did that all come from? Well, I think the initial frustration comes from alienation, of course. Like you feel like you don't belong in this world and you feel like a complete freak. 
and then people kind of make fun of you and you're like, ah, whatever. And then for me, a lot of it became like, okay, you think I'm a weirdo? You just wait. I'm going to show you what the weirdo is. So that was like a, a, a big part of like, um, I mean, especially like maybe we started Refuse. There was so much like, we're going to show people, you know, what we're made of. And then, you know, as I got into politics, I mean, <clears throat> I got really into it. First of all, politics is, of course, uh, you know, when you grow up with a dead candidate or DRI and something like that, politics is so much of like the DNA of, of what that is. And then when I got into it, so you start singing these political songs, but more kind of a, a, a just, you know, like a garment that you wear because you're in this world. And then when I got into politics, I got really into it. I started hanging out with like the, the youth syndicalist movement and <clears throat> I started educating myself. And um, as we were traveling, because I think that was an effect too, like you were traveling the world. And you saw, I mean, Sweden's relative, I mean, as you said early on, it's progressive and it's relatively like a safe country. You travel the world and you're like, holy shit, that everything's fucked up. And then you try to connect the dots and, and why that is. And you look at the economical, social, culture structures and you try to see that. And then, you know, it's just, that's just what it was. Like I, I was someone that had a, a lot of ideas about what the world was and it just came from, from discovering punk and hardcore. I mean, I always felt like a weirdo, but then punk and hardcore gave me a voice where it's like, yeah, you are a weirdo, but you know, here, here's a way we get to channel that that insanity that you have. Um, yeah, and I, and I think like the education system in Sweden, the way that we think about music is a bit different. And, and also one of the things, uh, like when I got into hardcore and, and the whole straight edge thing, the bands that I got in touch with were European hardcore bands like Sea and Red and Manlifting Banner. And they were super political. I mean, they were like, they had songs like com com Committed to Communism. And I'm like, what the fuck? And those were the first bands that I got in touch with. And I'm like, you know, so, so the, the political tradition of Europe is obviously very different than the political tradition of the States. Uh, so I think that really played a major part in <clears throat> how we approach politics and our music, basically. Even though we love American hardcore, but, you know, just the, the mindset was very different. What do you think the government's doing over there? And what do you think your society does differently that makes the country as, as you say, safe? And, you know, the, the quality of living is to a fairly high standard from the places I've seen. Minimum wage is fairly high. Seems yeah. like people take care of each other. Um, what do you think is happening in Sweden that could be happening in other places that makes for this? you know, um, nurturing environment for, for not just young artists, but, you know, people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, that's a hard question to answer because <clears throat> it's, it's interesting growing up as like a radical, radical lefty. Like, obviously I hated the system and everything that the system represented and then becoming older and, and looking back, you're like, Oh yeah, it was, it wasn't that bad actually. Like the social Democrats, they kind of knew what they were doing. I mean, unfortunately, Sweden has taken a turn towards the right as, as the rest of the world has. And, you know, the, the third biggest party is a party that was formed in the late 80s by Nazis. And they're like the third biggest party in Sweden right now. And the Social Democrats, they used to, you know, really be about educating the people and, and these adult orientation programs and sponsoring their arts. They, they, just, they just try to like every year it's a little bit more to the right and every year it's a bit more conservative. So, I mean, it's definitely changed, but the Sweden I grew up, it was very supportive and very, it was easy to play music. It was easy to play shows. It was quite easy to be an artist. So obviously that there really helps. And any society where people don't have to worry about, you know, paying rent next week or, you know, people will actually feel better about their lives when, when, you know, and, and, you know, like we have public health care and public schools and public elderly care and all that stuff that, you know, like kind of takes care of people and, and lightens a lot of the burden that's unfortunately changing. And uh, you could tell by, by the amount of people that are not really doing well at the moment. It's a similar situation in the UK, you know, historically we've had great free health care and, you know, there has been, a lot of help for people in certain areas of society that you know need it and deserve it 
Um, here's a heavy question for you, and it might be a loaded question too, but why do you think there has been an international shift in that leaning towards the right with you know governments all over the world? And indeed, like just thinking and the way certain philosophies which would have been deemed just unacceptable not yeah. that long ago and now so popular and widespread and, and dare i say celebrated in so yeah. many cases because it has been a notable shift hasn't it across the world yes it has i think there's there's a couple of there's a couple of explanations first of all i would say that uh, politics and the way we view politics has become more about a like a popularity contest than than about ideology which i think is a it's a you know, massively difficult to to sort of assess what that means. But I, you know, like politics has become um, like buzzwords and clickbait, and it's become like tweets, and it's not like actually educating yourself and studying on on you know everything goes on. Uh, and one of the things I think that the capitalism, uh, from, from my point of view, like as a structure, uh, it's it's easier for people i mean it's quite complex the setup and and how it trickles down in every facet of our, our of our existence and you know how we become commodified and so on and so forth and i think for a lot of people it's it's insanely hard to grasp and then we're looking for the easy answers and then the easy answers is like you know there's probably too much immigrants that that's probably why we have these you know why we have a rise in crime or why we have more unhealthy people or, or uh, we have homeless people it, that's probably what it is and you know talking about economic structures it's not you know I mean, it's kind of unsexy and maybe not as as exciting so i think that's an issue too that where people like they look for easy answers to complicated complicated questions and i think that's kind of people that's what happened in the 40s in, in europe and you know that that's every every time like a, a right-wing wave rises that's kind of what people do they like we need easy, digestible answers to these really difficult questions. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's kind of what happened. And also something you touched upon, like, it has become accepted. And when it becomes accepted, it kind of opens the floodgate of all sorts of stupidity. When it's like 15 years ago, <clears throat> a lot of stuff that people are saying on social media, a lot of people, are, stuff that people are saying in general, wouldn't be tolerated. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, everyone says that. So... I'm just saying what everyone's thinking, that kind of mentality. And, and it's just, uh, it's kind of shocking how uh, how horrible the political discourse of 2022 is. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say yeah. one more thing and then I'll let Jesse jump in because I'm sure he's got some thoughts and obviously from the American perspective as well. But I feel like um, this whole freedom of speech debate has been hijacked a lot by right-wing people as well. And it's become this issue now where, I feel like if you're a champion of free speech, the right wing brigade want to get you on their side and be like, yeah, you're you're part of this same argument, you know, where it might be just an open discussion about something as opposed to free reign to say nasty shit, if that makes sense. So that the kind of freedom of speech debate has sort of been hijacked by the right wing. And then so that creates this, you know, bigger divide between the left and the right where somebody who might just want to speak their mind is then sort of sucked into this whole other thing that they're not a part of and they don't want to be a part of. And it yeah. becomes like this very black and white, just, you know, argument and there's no yeah. actual discourse or debate going on. Yeah. I mean, it ties in with, with the way that the, especially the right wing to, to a certain extent, the left as well. But when the politics is like these weird, uh, like cultural wars, it doesn't really mean anything, but it's like, if you bombard people with these issues over and over and then, and then someone will be like, oh, you can't do this anymore and you'll get canceled. And you're like, that's not really true. And that's not really the problem. But uh, the capitalism and the right wing has been so good at deflecting the real problems and they just invent problems so that there's like talking points and buzzwords. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that there's a lot, of, as you said, like, like free speech, what is free speech? What does it mean? And and that's not a conversation. It's just like, you know, you're trying to censor me. And, you know, like if, if you fight Nazis, then like, well, they're trying to censor them. I'm like, no, no, they're Nazis. We're not, we're just trying to get rid of them. And we did that in the forties. And, you know, anytime they pop up, we should just get rid of them. That's not really a debate on free speech. You know, it's not like 
you know, I hate when people like, well, we'll take the debate to them. I'm like, there's no debate to take. Like, we know what they stand for and we know what they want. And if they get their way, there will be no debate at all. So let's, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's extremism. I think that's the issue. And, you know, I think Matt just summed up the United States in a nutshell right there. I think it's just a lot of black and white. They don't, there's no room for the shades of gray. There's no room for discussion. Um, and honestly, I've grown quite exhausted of, of all of it. And I don't really talk about it much anymore because of that. I've kind of mm-hmm. shifted my, my life into more of like, you know, existentialism and, you know, it's a little, a little self-serving, but I, I feel like I'm sort of licking my wounds still from the past few years, um, where I champion compassion and, you know, obviously I want people to live in harmony, but how do you achieve that? And it's hard when you have people who are polarized on one side or the other to see eye to eye. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's the issue with humanity as a whole is trying to find common ground. And that's the whole reason we even started this podcast was to bring to light the similarities we have as humans, as opposed to the differences. And I yeah. think that's something we're going to struggle with forever. Honestly, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. 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 And, and my, but I mean, that's the thing too. Like there are so many levels where we kind of want the same thing. Exactly. You know, we want the same things in life. And then, you were seduced by this and that. And you, and I mean, one thing too that's happening is like, we live in a kind of confusing time and people want to cling on to something that they believe in. And, uh, you know, MAGA or whatever, whatever nonsense that is, it's something for QAnon and some shit like that. It's something for people to kind of cling on to me like, oh, this gives my life meaning or purpose. And, and then it becomes insanely polarizing because as you said, there's no conversation, there's no debate. I mean, say what you will about the conservatives in Sweden in like the eighties and nineties, but you could talk to them and there could be like a back and forth. And now it's just, it's just like a divide and, and the whole like uh, social media landscape where it's like, there's never a conversation. It's just like an attack and then, then another attack and then an attack. And that's, that's just, it's like a loop. And I agree with you. I mean, I'm insanely outspoken political, but on social media, I'm like, I don't want to get into that conversation because there's not enough room for me to really express how I feel about stuff. So I'm just like, you know, once in a while, someone will pop onto my Instagram and, you know, be like, what about vaccine mandates, man? And I'm just like, yeah, just leave. This is my page. <laughs> just get the fuck out of here. And, you know, but in interviews and on stage in music, I will always talk about these issues because I think it's important. But then when you sit down and talk to me, that's the thing too. I'm not going to be too long one, but I think that, as an artist, like someone that grew up with punk and someone was like, real condition, uh, well, I never thought that so anyone would listen to what I had to say. Basically, when I grew up with working class kid, I'm like, no one's going to care about my opinion. And then all of a sudden there's people that listen to what I have to say. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking weird. And then, you know, punk and hardcore teaches you just, you know, talk, speak your mind, speak about things that matters to you. And then there's something about being an artist where, where you can exaggerate, which I really enjoy. I enjoy being kind of a, you know, maybe as you so a bit extreme and relentless in the way I approach politics in my art. If we sit down and talk, I'm quite a reasonable character, but on stage, on records, there's no real room for on one hand, but on the other hand, <laughs> and then what about this? And maybe this, when you, when you, you know, like with someone like a foolish, you just want to cut down the line and be like, here's what we fucking stands for, deal with it. And then when we sit down and talk, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit pushing it, but that's also why I love art. You know, we need to push it. We need to push the envelope. We need to push the ideas. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. Like people ask me, like, you should become a politician. I'm like, that seems like the worst thing. It's all about compromise. It's all about like, you know, adjusting your ideas to, to popular demand. And as a musician, I can just go balls out all the time, basically. Well, I guess well, the, the, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say in the, the one defense of politicians that I do have is that it does seem like an incredibly hard, thankless task, doesn't it? Becoming, I'll, I'll give them that. It's a tough gig. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They get, they get good money for the tough gig, though. So, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Now, I would say that the one hope that I've always had with my music, you know, and I, I do have political messages and most of it is just your standard think for yourself, yeah. you know, broken system, rigged system. I don't get super specific with it, but my hope has always been 
you know, I don't have to bludgeon you over the head with it. But if I do, maybe that causes discussion within your circle of friends. Like if you're a fan of the band for this reason and you go see them live and in between songs, you know, I say something and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming there. Hopefully my hope is there's a discussion amongst those circle of friends who are all fans yeah. where maybe that issue can be discussed amongst themselves where I'm not the one sort of dictating, you know, you've got to think this way, you've got to do that. But I'm hoping to lead the horse to the to the water, you know, that, that whole analogy. And I, that's what punk has always done for me. But, you know, you've got like the Dead Kennedys, for example, who would sort of poke fun at an issue. And I always thought that was super smart because yes. their messages were coming through. But I was having discussions with my fellow punk friends because we were thinkers. It wasn't just about going and getting shit faced and fighting each other. There was a real message there. And Dead Kennedys were the first band to really kind of screw that light bulb in where I was like, wow, you can do this in a smart way too. It doesn't have to just be like minor threat straight edge in your face. There's someone yeah. talking about how, you know, the social construct of a high school is fucked up. And like, think about that, you know, macho insecurity jocks, like yeah. little things that we cared about as kids that really made sense to me. And that's why dead Kennedy's were that first band is just kind of like, wow, this is brilliant. Yeah. I had a similar thing with the dead Kennedy's. They were one of those bands where I was like, I've told this story many times, but I got, I, I was a metal kid into thrash metal, Anthrax and Voivod and that yeah. stuff. And then, you know, I, I discovered punk and hardcore and kind of crossover, but then Dead Kennedys was that band. that was like the first time I heard police truck. I'm like, yeah, nothing's ever going to be the same again. This is, this is it. This is like end of old Dennis. This is new, new one. So I completely agree. And I think it's like, <clears throat> Also, what some, some people have to understand, when we talk about these issues on stage, it's our opinion. Mm -hmm. I am a musician. I'm not a politician. I'm not, you know, like academia. I'm not a writer. I'm just some fucking dude in tight pants talking about random shit, you know. And that's kind of what it is. And <coughs> I love it. Like, we were touring with Noise Conspiracy. And this kid came to the show. He was super excited. <coughs> and we talked about, like, situationism theory and, and politics and you know, the 68 movement in France. And next time we came to town and he was there and I'm like, oh, I, that, it's that guy from last time. I, I started saying something between the song and the guy just started screaming, I don't fucking agree with that. That's bullshit. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I want out of this. You know, like for you to formulate your own opinion and be like, even call us out and be like, yeah, I don't agree with that. That's just fucking bullshit. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Like my job here is done. And, and I mean, I always felt it like, you know, I always felt like I, I don't want to be needed. You know what I mean? I don't want to be needed as like a political voice. I just I just hope for a day where people like I'll start talking. People, yeah, we know. Shut the fuck up already. I'm like, oh, yes, this is what I want. Because I mean, it's kind of tiring to be that guy where it's like, you know, every interview and every time, you know, I open my mouth, people are like, but what about Barack Obama? What do you think about him? I'm like, what the hell is happening here? So. <laughs> You know, I, I, I long for the day when, when the world is a better place and I don't have to be angry. Because <laughs> you that. came out of the gate, you know, forthright with, with your ideologies and, oh, yeah. and, and the message and the music. Um, how have you developed over time, not just as an artist, but as a human being? And I guess what I'd like to pick your brain about is what you've perhaps learned about the importance of listening and hearing the other side and you know, that's kind of what we're leaning into there is, you know, you have your very, you know, firm opinions as a, as a young person, as we all do, and they're quite immovable to begin with. But then as we all know, as you grow and mature, you learn, oh, actually life is gray and it is complex. And yeah. what's, what's the, you know, the journey taught you about I the mean, importance that, of that, listening? Yeah, but that has been the journey. You know, when, when you come out of the gate, I mean, I came out of the gate fucking screaming, you know, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> and, I think what happens, like, as you go older, first of all, as you said, like, you start realizing, okay, there's other perspectives. And I mean, my idea about politics is probably not going to apply to every person, every situation, everywhere in time, but it, it's specific for me and maybe other people can relate to that. And then, as Jesse said, like, as you go older, it becomes a bit more existential. Like, you, I think about politics way more in the, in the fact of, like, how do I affect power structures? How... Where's my place in feminism? And, you know, like all these issues that I'm like, 
I didn't think about before because I was like a white cis man. I'm like, hey, here's my space. I fucking move aside. Here I am, this white dude with ideas. And as you grow older, you start thinking about these things like how to relate to other people. And, and also this might apply more to like the creative process, but to get rid of your ego, man. Because I mean, that, I think that that's that hindered me for so long that I was so like, well, this is how I want to do it. And this is how I wrote the song. And this is what I want to say. And then you're like, well, there's four other people in the room and we might have a slightly different opinion than yours. Uh, so I think that's been a massive learning thing over the last, I mean, it's the last 20 years, but something that, that really, you like, what serves the idea? What serves the song? What serves the art? And maybe sometimes it's not my idea. Maybe it's someone else's idea. So I think that's that's a huge thing too. And I just said, like, just listen to people. I mean, uh, if someone is angry or, or upset, then just try to understand why they are that way. And maybe then you can point out like maybe, well, if you are angry or scared and upset, the way you're going about it might be the wrong way. But I understand why you would be angry and upset and then kind of like make the conversation so that it's more relatable to people. I mean, it's hard on stage. Yeah, I can't really, you know, on stage, it's it's a bit more of a, a gung-ho type of approach, you know. <laughs> but I think you I think you can apply that to, to personal relationships too. You know, I've learned so much. You know, you're talking about getting rid of ego and listening. I think those are huge factors when you're talking about interpersonal relationships, whether that be friendships or, you know, intimate relationships with with somebody. Um, and you kind of can't help it as a creative person. You have this idea, this drive, this this mindset of like, this is how shit should be. This is my idea. This is my thing. And, you know, uh, and then you realize somebody you've hurt somebody along the way or their whole, you know, someone brings up something from the past. And you're like, I never saw it that way years ago. Yeah. And the fact you're bringing up to me now, the person I am now, I feel bad about this and you try to reconcile. So I feel like as a musician, I've done that as well. Like trying to reconcile the decisions or, or the things that I've done or, you know, how do I work with people better in, in a more harmonious way? And yeah. that really has spilled over into my personal life as well and, and changed me very much. Yeah. And, you know, and people always say this, oh, you're, you know, put politics aside, you're an artist, you're a musician. But I think that's just a, a horrible way to think, because really, politics is everything. It's not it's such a buzzword for people, you know, say religion, politics. But I think those two things um, and using the term religion loosely, too, they do interplay with everything we do every day, because yeah. it's all about us as a collective, not just you as the individual. And I think with religion and politics, that needs to be exercised. We need to think about others as yeah. well as ourselves. And as you get older, I'm sure you, both of you can attest to that. You start to see the world outside of just yourself and how you're impacting everybody around you, even just your little circle of friends with the shit you say or don't say. And that's been a huge thing for me. And I've yeah. kind of applied that full circle back into my lyrics too, like trying to write about other people's stories. You know, you mentioned feminism, trying to think about what it was like as a woman in a punk rock community in the eighties, trying to just be a woman in punk rock and like how they accepted all of these things that were put on them by the men, because that was just the way it was. Yeah. And now that's no longer the case. Times of times have changed. So we must change with it. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the universal thing for me is being willing to change, putting aside your ego and your stubbornness. And the more you change, the more profound things become. Yeah, I think, so. I mean, if, if anything, if you look at my artistry or whatever you want to say, I've always changed. Like the, I, you know, I maybe at at some sometimes I'm like maybe I should have held the line a little bit more. But that's just a part of who I am. I always trying to evolve. I was trying to new things. And I mean, it does apply for how you relate to people. But I mean, when you're young, you're hot. You know, you have all these ideas and you're fucking bursting. And I mean, I just remember. I had a friend that came up to me it was like 10 years ago and he was like, he played in like an emo type of band in Sweden. And I just remember, I don't, no, I don't remember, but he told, he told me that, you know, like 25 years ago, we're playing a show together. And I said something like, you shouldn't sing songs about your dead fucking mom when, you know, people are starving in the world. Some, some fucking nonsense. Yeah. And he carried that with him for like 15 years. And he was like, you said that thing. It really bummed me out. I'm like, Holy shit, man. I mean, I was so bummed that I did that. And I mean, at that point, I probably had some weird idea about like 
you know, we should strive, everyone should be more political. And I, I just, you know, and also sometimes you just fucking shoot your mouth off. You just say shit and then you move on in life. And that guy was just like, fuck, Dennis told me this and he carried that. I'm like, I'm so fucking bummed that, that he felt that way. And I mean, as I grow older, I still have a little bit of a tendency to have a big mouth. I still have a little bit of a tendency to say, to be a little bit too honest around people. Uh, but I really do try to sort of, you know, understand other people's point of view and not be, you know, upset when people have a different agenda than I have. But yeah, it, it's definitely a learning curve. And I think, I mean, the cool thing is you're never done with that. Like you can always grow, you can always become a better partner. You can always become a better friend. You can always listen more and understand more. And as you said, Jesse, it's something the last 15, 20 years, I've been really trying to listen to people around me and try to kind of understand their perspectives their stories and you know especially since my female friends like how does that work you know like and and i mean it, it's it's a sometimes it's a struggle but I, mean, I think it's definitely worth it and i think it it ties in with your creative self and your personal self i think absolutely i'm quite a big fan of honesty though i know you can present that honesty in a harmful way sometimes with yeah. enthusiasm <laughs> or passion but i think it's important to say what you you know feel I'm a big believer in that. And I feel like we should be able to be, you know, perhaps more um, courageous with our ability to take it <laughs> and perhaps then give our own honest opinion back in return. Um, yeah, but it is, it's definitely like something that you do a lot more as a, as a youngster yeah, and then yeah. later on go on. No, because it's funny as well because you can change and evolve so much, but you're still you, you know, you're that same person you've just, been through these experiences that have changed you along the way and i always find it interesting when you encounter people who you haven't seen in you know 10 15 years and they're exactly the same as they were then i always find that really hard to wrap my head around i'm like it's like i just left you in a time capsule yeah. and nothing in you has has morphed in any way but some people just kind of are happy to exist in that way aren't they and that's fine yeah. too i guess <laughs> i had a, i had a weird encounter the first punk band that i ever started in 19 87 so the guitar player from that band he he was my only friend in school and i forced him to become a guitar player well he played guitar i forced him to become a punk basically and you know and we were playing in our punk band and one day he shows up and he's cut his hair take out his earring and it's like got a weird button down shirt and i'm like hey what happened he's like well my dad gave me a car if i if, if i you know if i stopped being a punk and i'm like oh wow so i guess this band's done and he came by my house maybe three weeks ago. I hadn't seen him in 30 years. It was so trippy because he was like kind of the same person and his language was usually saying shit that people said in the eighties and someone was insanely offensive. And I'm just like, what's happening now? Like this person is so stuck in time. And then he was like, yeah, well, yeah. He, he said, oh yeah, you continue to play music. That's crazy. I never heard refused. And I'm like, that's, I don't why would you say that that's it's also quite easy to remedy that thing but it was definitely a trip where it was like you know someone i shared something quite valuable with and then 30 years later I'm like we got nothing in common like no nothing and it was so weird yeah historical friendships count for very little if you don't have anything in common now uh, and I've got plenty of friends from back in the day who I loved then. But, you know, if I see them now, I'm like, I wave and I keep walking. <laughs> yeah, the, the conversations about the weather, you nod and smile. How's the kids? And then moving on, because the next thing out of your mouth, I'm, I'm going to not like. I know I'm yeah. not going to like it. Yeah, he, he started saying he was like, he started saying stuff like, I, I understand that you, you like your, your lyrics to be a bit more about politics and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't want to. You know, so I was trying to steer clear of that conversation because I'm like, I know where this is going. It's not going to end up end well. So I'm just like trying to talk about other things. Oh, it's horrible. He, he, but he clearly had an agenda. If he's trying to get you to talk, that's what it was. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it was it was just trippy. <laughs> have you got kids, Dennis? I do yeah. not have kids. No. No, no kids on this round table. Then it's um, <laughs> it's something that I've seen in a lot of my friends, and I'm not, you know talking bad about anyone who is a parent but i do feel like when you become the custodian of another human being that then takes importance over all other things 
And a lot of my friends who used to have similar hobbies and interests and passions to me, the minute that family situation is, you know, cemented, it's like goodbye to all of that folly. This is me and my time now. And then life, I almost feel like it takes on a new purpose and meaning. But, you know, I can't speak from experience because I don't have kids myself. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like you, there's a different set of responsibilities. There's a different set of like, I mean, all my friends that have kids, they're like, well, you know, all of a sudden, well, we talked about it. They're like, all of a sudden, my life is not about me. It's about someone else. And I think for a lot of people, it's quite humbling. A lot of people that I know that they were kind of like, you know, a bit stuck up or difficult when they got kids, they really mellowed out because they're, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not the center of the universe. So, I mean, I think some aspects of it is pretty awesome that, you know, people really find uh, that unconditional love. And then, as you said, some people just, they just kind of, they have kids and then they, you never see them again. And they're just gone. And you're like, oh, all right, I get, you know. Yeah. But that's each his own. I mean, I've been, I've been playing music long enough that I've seen so many generations of, of, you know, activists and musicians come and go. And, you know, all the, all the people that called me a sellout, they, they're, they're gone 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And it's just like, you know, that, that's just kind of what life is. Not, not all of us can be in this for, for the long run. <laughs> Speaking of the long run, what I really like about what you've done um, musically is there's an evolution there. The message um, has gotten more poetic, but still pretty much in the same breath. You know, when you talk about like refused versus invasion, for example, mm. I remember first hearing invasion and I'm a, I love all types of music. I'm not, when I was younger, I was a definitely an elitist. Like it had to be hardcore, it had to be punk or aggressive. <laughs> And then hearing invasion and seeing invasion and seeing what you're doing with that, you've taken the message and sort of, for lack of a better term, jumped genres, but it's still to me very much punk rock. And I'm impressed with that. Where where does that come from? Um, Stylistically, were you always interested in sort of, for lack of a better word, like indie rock or post-punk? Was that always part of your palette musically? Or did Um, did that come later in life? It came a little bit later, but I mean, Growing up with punk and hardcore, you know, and someone that, that just loves music, because I think for me, it's just like a, a love of music. You know, yes, I was also very much for a couple of years, I was very much the guy that's like, it's got to be hardcore. It's I'm not interested. But yeah. quite quickly, like all the refuse guys were so open minded. We just love music. And then early on, it's like, well, of course, you just discover Public Image Limited or you discover Joy Division, because if you love music, you, you got to love Joy Division or New World. You know, like so it. So it just became something quite organic. And then um, with Invasion, when we started, I mean, the first record we did in Swedish, kind of like, like a punk rock record, but we wanted to push it. And I mean, that's become the mantra of Invasion. It's like, we want to push it. Every record, we want to push it into something that's a bit more, more uncomfortable and a bit more something that we never tried before. Because it's, <clears throat> I mean, maybe not easy, but it would be easier to repeat yourself and just do the same record over and over again. I'm not interested, you know, I'm too restless. I, my brain doesn't work like that. I just want to try new stuff all the time. And uh, Invasion is just one of those bands. It's just organically evolved into we are, what we are today. And I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone in Invasion used to play in hardcore bands. So of course it makes sense, you know, that it that has some elements of that or it has like that, that vibe to it especially alive because we all used to do in hardcore bands so you know musically it's very different but i love it yeah i do too and there's definitely um you guys are definitely a, a great band on record but when you see it live there's a whole other extra level of energy that yeah, yeah. great it's a lot of fun to watch and uh, it's just cool for me to see somebody you know from my community <laughs> the hardcore community be able to do that in such a way where it's to me it's seamless it doesn't feel awkward it doesn't feel forced it's really nice because I've kind of been, for lack of a better word, I don't want to use the word stuck, but I've I've kind of stayed within a very aggressive style of music. I mean, yeah, granted, yeah. granted, Killswitch does more melodic stuff, and I've got other projects, but hearing Invasion really just it just turns me on in such a way because like the, the possibilities of what you can do with music, it yeah. just goes to show you that someone like yourself can do it. I love that. It just is a there's a greater metaphor there. I think for 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 life and for art. Yeah. Hearing those two bands and being fans of both of them, it's cool, man. Yeah. But, but I think that's the thing too, like <clears throat> we lend ourselves to situations. I mean, I love aggressive, violent music that goes to get, you know, like I'm, I'm not a fan of like, 
pop culture music, you know, like I love, I mean, 90% of my record collection is weird, esoteric, fucking weird music, basically. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing. But but then also as, as human beings, because we, we put ourselves in like, you know, like we have all these people, like, oh, hardcore, you know, they're hardcore until the day they die. It's fucking awesome. But as human beings, we have so multifaceted. We have so many different aspects of who we are. And, and you know, I want to tap into that with the music as well. Because, I mean, you know how it is. Like, you, you'll meet like some weird tough guy hardcore person and they're super sweet and they're super friendly. And you're like, that's not how you present yourself, man. And it's not. But that's who we are as humans. We're, we're quite complex. And uh, if I've been lucky enough to have a bunch of different bands where I can just explore myself and my voice and, and musicality. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a privilege to be able to do, to do that, you know. How's that work with your personal relationships with your collaborators? Because I saw this great Neil Young documentary once, and uh, I think it was David Crosby, perhaps. It was someone who'd worked with him was saying that he just relentlessly follows the muse wherever that goes. And sometimes that's created friction because he'll he'll be in a band and it's super successful, but then he's like, I'm on to the next thing now. Like, has that been a thread through your life that perhaps you've left projects maybe in hindsight earlier than you should have, but you just had to follow where your, you know, voice was taking you or have those relationships remained fairly solid and consistent throughout because the people you surround yourself with understand the fluidity of creativity. Well, the the second, second, second part of that, because I mean, most people, if you look at the guys who refused, I mean, we've been friends for 30 plus years now. I mean, the, the, the bulk of the invasion people, I mean, Andre and Andrews that play an invasion, we played together for like 20 years now. And I mean, I known Sarah since she was six years old and I was eight. Wow. So I mean, most people I played with, they're like friends for life. You know, they're, they're people that I've known for 20, 30 years. And they know that, you know, like, I mean, the refuse guys know, like, okay, it's an invasion year. He's doing an invasion year right now. And then the same thing, the invasion guys know, okay, it's a refuse year. Refuse is happening now. We'll, we'll do other stuff. So it's quite, and it, it, it helps that the invasion guys and the refuse guys are good friends. So it, it helps that we're all like, you know, we're all buddies basically. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's great. I think you need to, <clears throat> the people you surround yourself. I mean, I played with someone like Sarah. I played with her in Noise Conspiracy for years and then with Invasion for now 10 years. And we just started a new band together. She's one of the greatest collaborators I ever played with. And she's my best friend. And then it's easy to relate to. Like, I'm doing this for a while. And she's like, oh, that's cool. See you in you know, a couple of weeks. And then we'll get together. To do this. So I think it's, I never been, <clears throat> I never been that relentless. I was kind of, you know, I've always been so, I've been good friends with everybody I played with, which made it really easy. And very few times I've been like, you know, I can't do this. Like, fuck you guys. You don't understand my creative process. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to surround myself with really cool people. I think it probably helps too if they've got other things going on. You know, when you work with people who continue to evolve as well, that's that's yeah. a blessing. Because in my life, I've definitely burned some bridges unintentionally with people, and you know, they'll still bring it up. Be like, oh yeah, we could have kept going, and I'm like, ah. Yeah. I couldn't. I'm sorry. You know, I, yeah. I, I felt that, Matt, when you asked. That's a good question, Matt, by the way. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I mean, it's it's different for all of us. I mean, I definitely like I'm not going to I'm not going to sit there and say that there's definitely a couple of people out there in the universe that, you know, they're not a- happy with some of my decisions. But the bulk of people that I, that I play with and that I play with, we're still friends. We still play together. There's a couple of people that don't like some of the decisions I made, but that's also part of being human. I think that if we don't allow ourselves to make mistakes, it, sometimes you, you need to burn some bridges as well. I mean, uh, you know, like, like sometimes you need to, to do that to, to be able to move forward. You know, that just, it's just fucking common sense, I think. And, you know, something like when we started noise conspiracy, like we need to take a couple of steps back to be able to take a step forward because it's so different and coming out of refuse and the insanity that that was at that time, like you just need to, clean slate start with something different so i think it's it is kind of inevitable that you piss a couple of people off you know totally yeah it's a, a, we're still oh. finding our flow after this break the, it's, uh, it's interesting because <laughs> some bands obviously get massive and they're not maybe necessarily like 
friends, you know, they've maybe gotten together to form a group to jam. That band becomes massive. Then they're stuck with each other for life. And you yeah. see those bands. And I, I think it's actually awesome. It's probably not for them when they're in it, but I, I think it's hilarious that they've kind of signed that deal and they're just, they're stuck with these motherfuckers for yeah. life now. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love, I love bands. Like, you know, if you're from a small town somewhere in the States or in the UK and Sweden, I mean, think about like the Hives. They're really good friends of mine. They're definitely a band of, of five people that were like, they were the only five people at school that played music. So let's do band together. And they're like, well, well we're the great biggest band in the world. And we're like, as you said, they're just, I mean, they're really good friends, but it, it was like, I think when they started the band, like half of those guys were like, well, I don't really want to become a musician, but I can play some guitars. I'll join your band for a little bit. And then, you know, like 25 years later down the line, they're like, I guess this is happening still, you know, so I, I think it's amazing. And it makes me really happy. And I still love it when you tour, especially maybe with Invasion, because we play like smaller shows and you have like the local opener when you could tell, like there's one guy that really wants this to be a hardcore band, but then there's a guy with the long hair, like playing solos. And then the drummer is just like a dude that's like, he's the guy that can play drums in town. I still love that. It makes me so fucking stoked every time. I'm like, there's like, these guys want to have four different bands, but one guy had a bit of a stronger will. So I was like, now we're a hardcore band. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's awesome. You know, I love that. <laughs> I got to ask you, um, you know, because I'm, I'm always curious about this with artists outside of your art and music. What what moves you personally? And, and where do you see yourself outside of music? Like if you had to sort of grasp for something outside of what people know you for what what moves you what what really is sort of like a driving force within you outside of your music oh man it's it's okay so first of all i uh, music is just my life it's it when people ask me like do you have any hobbies i'm like yeah kind of but i mean the things that really move me is art and music and politics and the thing, things that we already talked about but uh i gotta say some stuff that might be a bit unexpected for me i am a soccer coach i coach a fourth division soccer team or football, find, as we call it over here. What football? Yeah, real. Yeah, football, as we call it in Europe, um, which is amazingly fun. And I, I didn't think, I didn't think that was something that I was going to do. But um, being an artist, I think <clears throat> it's one of those jobs where, like, you're always on. You're always thinking about things. You're always, every movie you you watch or every book you read or conversation that you have is something to bring into the to the fucking bank, and then you can, you know. So uh, having like a brain that never shuts off is quite, uh, could be quite frustrating. So I started playing football and I loved it because like in two hours of just like shutting my mind off, I couldn't really think about any of the other stuff. And then I, I fucked up my knee a couple of years ago. So I'm like, I'm not, you know, what am I going to do? I like, like these like couple of hours every week where I went played football is so important for my mental health. And then I just started coaching the team. I went to like a coach uh, course and I got like a license as a football coach. So, yeah. And also we're working with, oh, is it children you're working with? No, they, no, it's a fourth division team. They're, they're all grown oh, wow. men. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, and that's I mean, brilliant. I used to play in the team until my, I busted my knee and then I was like, I'll just become the coach. And everyone's like, yeah, I guess you can become the coach. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to have that. I have that with uh, cycling and, and hiking and now kayaking uh, since I bought a kayak. But I think that those things as an artist, that's that's necessary because I have one of those brains too that won't shut up. Yeah. When I'm writing a record, I get, I'm sleepless. Like I drive myself and my partner crazy and anyone around me crazy because yeah. I can't shut it off. But doing those types of things really helps regulate the mind. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad you have that. It's nice to hear that because that's yeah. my survival, man. Yeah. You need those things to like help. I have, I have another thing that's even nerdier that I don't really talk that much about, but I play disc golf. I'm not sure you guys know what disc golf is. I don't. Uh, please, un please enlighten me. I love Frisbee. I love it. I love yes. what you're saying. I love that. So, so it's like golf, but with Frisbees. And then, uh, yeah, you walk around and you throw a Frisbee into a, a metal basket. And uh, when the pandemic hit, because, I mean, I'm so used to traveling. I'm so used to playing live. And I'm so, like, that's my element. That's where I feel uh, the most comfortable with myself and then the pandemic hit and, and it's you know someone's like you can't the thing that you the, the thing that makes you happy you can't do that anymore 
And then a friend of mine hit me up and was like, we should go play disc golf. And I'm like, nah, I'm not sure. And here we're two years later, I play almost every day because it's like an hour of day where I can go out and just shut off, think about disc golf for an hour. And then that, that's pretty amazing. I don't have to think about music or art or politics or nonsense like that. We, we're a bunch of friends that all, we all play in bands or musicians and we meet up like a couple of times a week and play disc golf. I love it. I've gotten the opportunity to do that. Um, well, I've been offered that opportunity. I've got to take those guys up on it, but I love Frisbee. It's something I played with my father when I was a kid and there's something about it, but yeah. And you're outside too, which is another thing. Yeah, just exactly. That's the thing. Like, like for an hour or two, you're outside, you're walking, you're talking, you're, it's a physical activity. It's kind of lightweight, but it's still physical. I love it. Makes love my it. brain uh, function way better. <laughs> I think it's those activities that remind us what it feels like to be a child. Cause I know a lot of guys who work quote unquote regular jobs and their escape is playing in a band because for them, that reminds them of being 13 okay. years <laughs> old. And, you know, because it never became a career, it never took on that new meaning. Yeah. And it's, it's like being able to play again. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. That's amazing though. Like I, my brother, my brother used to play in all these hard, well, he still plays. He was in that band called Abinanda and it was DS13 and he's in a bunch of fucking great hardcore bands. And sometimes I envy like his approach because he has a, like a, a regular job. He has a family and then he has two hardcore bands and they play, you know, 10 to 20 shows a year. And then they put out a seven inch and maybe they'll go down to Germany, play a couple of shows and it's all done out of lust and there's no money incentive and there's no like, you know, those relationships, there's no management, there's no booking agent. And sometimes I get a bit jealous of that. I'm like, that's fucking rad. That's how I, you know, like, cause that's how you started playing music. Like when I started, it wasn't like, I'm going to go become a musician. I'm going to tour the world, become famous. You know, that was not in the cards. And I see that I'm a bit jealous. And then I was like, Oh wait, I actually, I actually do this for a living. It's a pretty awesome. Job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 it is. You know, when you get to do what you love for a living, it is great. But that is the trade-off that you make, isn't it? Is the purity, yeah. the purity of it exactly is slightly, ever so slightly diminished because there yeah, has to be money involved. And yeah, because Jesse knows there's like, like the more successful you become, the more your band meetings are about budgets and money, and not so much about the creative aspect of being in a band. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. And like everything, like a lot of the stuff that I do every day, because I mean. I am a full-time musician. So all I, I mean, the people in Invasion, they're not, they, they have like regular jobs. So every day I email emails about stuff that's kind of boring. And I'm like, oh, I just want to play music. You know, I just, I just wanted to be in a band and play live. And then it's like, you know, I had to break down the budgets and I had to book travels and I have to do that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's not really why I got involved in this, but it happens as, as you, progress that that's kind of yeah. what you end up. And, pe and people don't want to hear you complain about that shit so you don't really you really can't vent to anyone about how much that sucks you know like when i get off this call i'm going on to a call with my accountant to discuss taxes and social security and i'm like i i don't i hate that shit but i have to do it you know yeah i mean we, we are in a privileged position to, to yeah. do what we do but yeah it's 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 definitely something that when you started that's not what you sign on to do and yeah. it just became something with like the more successful you are, the more of that nonsense you have to deal with. Cause yeah. else it becomes, I mean, we all know that the horror stories of bands that just like were super successful and never saw any money because managers ripping them off and stuff like that. Yep. So it's also our responsibility to be, you know, in control of what's happening in our lives. And especially coming from the punk and hardcore sort of DIY attitude, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not what you sign on to do. It's, it's a bit weird that you're like, as you said, like, you know, talk to you count and people are like what? i'm like yeah that's shit that i have to do you know <laughs> i guess bringing it back though i mean i'm sure you still have those moments right when you're out there on the road and you're standing on stage and you have that reality check of like wow we're still doing this shit i'm still here how the fuck did that happen <laughs> yes i get that i get that a lot I, it's like i also think in in like playing in a, in a couple of different bands makes it easier to be in, in, in check. Um, you know, when we, when we reformed refused in, in 2012, it was such a fucking triumph, you know, it was just like, you know, we didn't need to do anything, just go out on stage and we're like, we won. Um, 
So then do that and then go back to, let's go on tour with Invasion, play in front of 100 people every night. It's humbling in a really awesome way. And, and uh, a lot of times, you know, you can complain about stuff and you mean like, oh, there should be more than 100 people here. But we're still doing it, which is pretty amazing. And, and as I said, when I was young, I was, I never, I never, I could never foresee that this would be my life. You know, I, I could never think like, oh, when I'm, when I'm 50 years old, I'm going to be playing music in different punk bands and collecting records still, you know, I didn't, that there's not even a possibility. Cause when, when you were 18, 19, the old punks were like 25. And, you know, so there was no, like, you know, there was no way you could look up to me. Like, you know, maybe as the sex pistols would say, there's no future. There was no future in it. We didn't, there was see, no future <laughs> we didn't see past the next, you know, not even a year, I would say months back then, you know, yeah. But I got to say this, uh, you know, first of all, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it's been a long time coming, I feel. And yeah. I wanted to bring up a memory I had. You're talking about Invasion. I remember when you first came over to the States um, years ago, you played St. Vitus. And it was yep. probably about 50 people there. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. You, you guys put out. There was so much energy there. It was such a great rock show. And I remember after the set, you went downstairs to eat. And I, I know people at the staff. I used to hang out there all the time. So I, I snuck downstairs into the dressing room that you were eating. And I just looked you in the eye and I said, that was important. What you're doing is important. I don't remember everything I said. I kind of fanboyed a little bit on you. But you, were, <laughs> you were very gracious about it. But truly, th that was a moment where I saw you evolving in front of my eyes as the guy that I knew from Refuse doing this other thing. And doing it just as well um, with the same type of message. And it kind of blew my mind. And that's a credit to you as a, an artist and as somebody who hasn't, you've changed and you've grown, but that spirit that you had when you were younger is still there. And it still feels important when you're on stage. Thank and you. that's something I have to give you credit for. Something Thank that you. continues to inspire me is to see artists like yourself who haven't lost that flame. Awesome. I mean, just bringing back to like what, what I talked about, I, I never thought this was going to be my life. And um, I'm so grateful every time I get to go on stage. I'm so grateful every time I get to record a record. I'm, I'm still like, you know, once in a while I pinch myself. I'm like, I can't believe this ended up being my life. And I think that even if you play at St. Vitus on a Sunday in front of 50 people, I think it's important to deserve that spot that's given to you. I've seen so many bands go up and half-ass it and they're oh there's not enough people so we're just going to play the short set and have our backs turned and he's like that's so disrespectful to the 50 people that did show up because 50 people did show up to see you play and you know i think that for me every night i i psych myself up and it's like you need you need to deserve this you, you need to go out there and prove that you're still worthy of this space that people are giving you and and i think that it's weird to like we've been doing this for a long time and i feel like I'm still learning so much. I'm still like getting better at stuff. I'm still becoming a better singer. I'm still becoming a better performer. I don't feel old. And then I look at myself in the mirror and I, I see my <laughs> birth certificate. I'm like, oh shit, you're not young anymore at all. <laughs> but you know, I, I, there's something, you know, there's a drive that, that, that I hope that I can have for the rest of my life, you know? Amen. Well, you know what? It's pretty hard to grow old gracefully in rock and roll, and it's even harder, I think, to grow old gracefully in punk rock. And and if there's ever somebody who's done it and is doing it, um, you know, and obviously you're a young, you know, a young man still. You're not old yet, but what you've done, as Jesse's saying, is you've continued to represent the spirit of this youth music as you've matured and grown as an artist and a performer with the same energy, integrity, and intent. And you're still, you know, invested and excited and committed to it and that is rare there's yeah. plenty of people who just want to you know tour and get paid and then go home and not think about it anymore and it's really cool to see I that i i love music so much it's it's insane like i think about it all the time i'm just like just glad to be out and doing it and and it's like it's it's weird because when i when i was i i'm i'm uh, one of those introvert extrovert people you know, but when I'm on stage and it doesn't matter, I mean, even in the practice space to, to a certain extent, that's when I feel the most comfortable with myself. I, yeah. I'm, I'm completely fearless. I can speak my mind. I can do stuff that I, I would never do off stage. You know? And I think it's, 
there's something about that feeling that I discovered when I was really young. And I was like, I still tap into that. Not every night. Jesse knows this. Like some nights you're, you're on stage and you're like, wonder if there's some pizza backstage <laughs> done. You know, you think about fucking random shit because it's, you know, sometimes that's what it is. And then, but if you're lucky, it's one of those nights when you like, you go out on stage, you grab the microphone and you look down on the set list and like, oh shit, this is the last song. What happened? And I, I love that feeling. I see, I see footage of myself live and I can't remember doing stuff. I'm like, oh shit, that's wild. I'm like, I did that. That was pretty awesome. So yeah. <laughs> That's the magic of it when you have that. Yeah. yeah, I definitely have had those moments too where you're thinking about that nice hot shower or like <laughs> something. <laughs> it's it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. Yeah. Such is life. Yeah. Well, Dennis, this has been an absolute pleasure. A long time coming. Thank you so yeah. much for this conversation. Um, I'm a, I'm excited for the new stuff. I've heard it. I've had a little lesson to the new invasion. I love it. You continue Thanks. to uh, grow as a musician and you've got my attention. I'll always be a fan of what you do, brother. Awesome. Thanks for having me on and good to see you guys again. And I will hang out soon in person. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hell yeah. Any more fake names on the horizon? Yes. We recorded a new full length album two months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. With Brendan County on drums. So, you know, life's pretty awesome. Yeah. Another project to get excited about. And, you know, Brian Baker, not just a hero in the world of punk, but such an intelligent, sweet, great guy it must be amazing to work with him he's amazing so yeah i got plenty of stuff like the fake names record and then me and sarah started a punk band where i play guitar called venice casino um venice is the town where i live in uh we have a record recorded as well and then new invasion coming out and then we just started uh, some refuse riffs it's been thrown around so i'm just trying to stay busy man <laughs> Sounds like you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. I am actually super busy. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time for us, brother. I appreciate no, I it. I love it. It's great. Cheers, Dennis. Catch you soon, Good man. Time. Thank you. See you soon. I'm going to pop out here. Bye-bye. Boom. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.